Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, academic coach, author, speaker. And today I have an episode on the pros and cons of using ChatGPT as an AI tool in grad school. Now, I have to admit, I'm a little bit nervous talking about this episode because it is a bit of a controversial topic in higher ed. And before I dive in, I want to just share a disclaimer and say that, you know, anything I share today is not um, to be used as professional advice. You should decide the implications of how you will use AI technology in your life. So so don't come at me (laughs) because you listen to this episode. Um. But I am someone who is curious and I am someone who is always open to learning new tools and strategies to help simplify my life, to help make things more efficient and to give me more of my time back. And so one thing that I've been using really since the new year, I started messing around with chat GPT and I have found it to be interesting and useful in some ways and problematic in other ways. And so based off my limited um, understanding and usage of this tool, I thought I'd share some of my thoughts, which are, again, like I said, the, the pros and cons of chat GPT as a tool. So if um, you are listening to this and you're thinking, what is chat GPT? Maybe you've been under a rock (laughs) and haven't really um, been made aware about this technology, I'll share a little bit more about what it is. It is um, considered a chat box tool. It's a form of artificial intelligence that was launched late 2022. So it's been all the buzz since it was launched in November, 2022 especially I feel like I started to hear a lot about it in December 2022 and in January 2023. I started hearing about it in December and then in January I thought, okay, too many people are talking about this. I need to get in on it and find out what is going on. And um, what's interesting about chat GPT is that it is like what you, what, what, what it sounds like. It's a chat box when you log on to the website, it's an open AI website, all you see is a chat box and you ask it questions and it's depending on the level of specificity and the types of prompts that you ask it, it will generate some very detailed responses. And um, some folks are arguing that it could potentially replace Google because of the level of details in the responses that it provides. And so I have 
read so many articles from different higher ed venues, um, popular magazines, newspaper um, sites. And there's a lot of trepidation. There's a lot of fear. There's anxiety. Um, a lot of professors are freaking out, thinking that this is just going to be a nightmare for folks that work um, on on folks who, what is it, like plagiarism cases and academic dishonesty cases, and also the fear that students will be less likely to want to learn and they're going to become over-reliant on these technologies and they're no longer going to learn how to how to write effectively. Um, and there's a lot of like, how do we ensure that students are producing their own writing and their own ideas and not relying on this tool to do all of the work for them. And I've even read articles where they've used the tool to participate in classes and it has passed certain, I don't know if it was like a, a law course or a medical course, but it's, it's passed classes on its own just by generating, again, adding prompts to it to generate information. And so that's a, it's a lot, you know, I, I get why there's concern, serious concern about it. But on the other side of things, I also get why there can be excitement and why um, there could be uh, so much potential with it in terms of using it as a tool. And so I wanted to provide my, I guess, understanding of the tool and of the pros and cons, and then share some examples of how I've recently been using it and what my overall thoughts about it are. So we'll start with the cons because I've already started sharing some of them just by talking about what I've been reading um, on the threads and the articles and even having conversations with other folks in higher ed spaces. And let's start out with like the first thing, which is the, inf that the information that it can feed you, that it can provide to you can be biased. And it's been shown to provide sexist information, racist information. Why? Because it's pulling information from the internet and any information you get from the internet cannot be 100% trusted. That's why we have things like peer-reviewed publications to ensure, to double check, to make sure we are not generating information that is biased, or at least to minimize it. And so information you get from it can be biased. Another thing that's not so great is that the information is outdated. The last thing I read, I think it said that the uh, version that they have out right now has data from 2021. So if you're asking for any information after that, you're not going to get, you're not going to get it. It's, it's outdated. Um, sometimes it can also produce information that's completely nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense. You ask it a question and it's like, it's in another planet and it's not answering it at all, <laughs> or it's answering in a way that makes no sense. Um, the next con and this is what I keep hearing over and over and over again, this is a big concern, is that it increases um, the chances that students will rely too heavily on it, that it'll decrease their motivation to learn independently, and even worse, that they will use it to plagiarize. And the form of plagiarism cannot be easily detected. I know that folks 
have created and are working on perfecting or updating or improving websites that can try to detect if something has been generated by AI. But right now it's it's so complicated out there, y'all, that folks are writing their own papers or their own ideas, generating their own writing, putting it in those the software that tries to detect if it's AI uh, created or not. And it's saying that it's 80% of it or more has been generated by AI when that person know that they themselves wrote it. So again, that's that's a little tricky. That's a little complicated. That is concerning when it comes to plagiarism cases. And I will tell you this, plagiarism cases are probably going to go up. I am almost 100% sure that the plagiarism cases are going to go up. Why? Not because it means that more people are going to plagiarize, but because more folks are going to be on the lookout for it. This happened during the pandemic. During the pandemic, um, because of the uh, switch to remote courses, there was a uh, fear, uh, more of a higher concern that students would be plagiarizing during that time. And so when more folks are on the lookout, of course, the cases are going to increase. And when folks are not really on the lookout and not really checking and not using software that detects plagiarism, um, it just makes sense. So if more people are aware, okay, there's access to this to this technology called ChatGPT, students can ask it to write essays for them. Now I'm going to buckle down or double down or really focus on double, triple checking every assignment to see if it's been plagiarized. Um, so again, that's a problem. Um, it's going to be a big headache for institutions of higher ed and for the folks, again, that work on cases that have to do with academic honesty and dishonesty. And then another con has to do with how it's we don't really know what this technology is going to do with our information. And so proceed with caution. Don't provide any sensitive information. Don't provide information that you wouldn't want to be out there on the interwebs. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's that's the part that's scary. It's just like um, there was that one app that a lot of folks also around that time in over the new year, a bunch of people were using this app. I don't even know what it's called because I, I myself didn't use it, but they were putting in their pictures and then this AI app was generating artwork um, based off their headshots. And there was this big kind of like ethical dilemma about how this AI technology is robbing from artists. It's pulling techniques from different artists and then using it to generate new art and not granting these artists credit for pulling from their art, from their techniques. And so it's been a big case of, um, it's, it's a case of ethics of how do you move forward in a world where there is technology that could potentially assist you in your work, uh, but then at the same time, you're not 100% sure of the ways that it is generating this material for you. And so in my case, I opted not to use that app because I did not feel comfortable with having my face out there uh, with, I don't know what it's going to do with my pictures. And I also didn't feel comfortable knowing that it was actually robbing, um, you know, like artwork or artistic techniques 
um, from what, again, from artists out there who have found some works that have been AI generated that look very, very similar to their own. All right, that's a lot of cons. <laughs> and I understand if you're afraid, if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't even wanna try it, but I would encourage you to at least test it out, at least uh, see what's going on, mess with it in whatever way feels safe with you so that you, the fear can decrease a little bit and you have a better understanding of what you're dealing with, especially if you are an educator, especially if you are a teacher, an instructor, um, and, you know, some professors are leaning into it and incorporating it within their assignments because a lot of students are going to use it, whether you like it or not. And so better to know a little bit more about this beast that you're facing. Um, and you don't have to incorporate it, but at least know again, what students, what students are using it for, how they're using it and, um, and the implications for even how you write your syllabi, how you work on your assignments. Are you going to need to add a chat GPT uh, applause or, or something, some sort of language on your syllabus about the ways they can and can't use it for the course? Okay, so now let's go to some of the pros. And one thing that immediately to me uh, feels like a pro is the fact that it is um, an accessibility tool. Um, it, right now, there's a free and a paid version of it, but it means that anybody can access it. Uh, anybody who has access to the internet can access it. Whereas before, if there were cases of um, plagiarism and things like that, folks had to go out of their way to hire someone to write papers for them to pay, go on a website and pay for things. I'm not saying you should use it to plagiarize. Don't do that. No. Um, but I'm just saying in terms of um, using it to generate ideas, to help with um, uh, identifying things like templates, for explaining subjects in basic ways, for organizing information, synthesizing information, it can be used as a helpful tool. And is I appreciate that it's available to everyone, that it's not a gate kept, that it's not behind a paywall. And so that to me is a pro. Another thing that's a pro is uh, that you can use it to brainstorm and generate ideas. Again, you're not relying on it, or I am not relying on it to teach me anything new, but I do like it as a way of generating ideas. I also think it's a great way of generating templates. So if you're writing emails, if you're working on a resume, if you're working on anything like that, I'm not a fan of of plagiarism, but I am a fan of taking a look at different templates for different forms of writing so that you can get a better understanding of what's expected of you. A lot of times when I work with clients who are struggling with some sort of assignment in graduate school, it's because they don't even know what's expected of them. They're asked to write a dissertation proposal and they've never seen sample proposals in their field. That's one of the first assignments I, I, I give them, their homework. I say, okay, you're struggling with your proposal. Do you have any samples? Okay, ask folks from your department for samples. Take a look at how are they structuring it? How long is it? And then they can give you an idea of how long you might want yours to be, what type of sections you may want on yours. So the same goes with templates, taking a look at how something is structured, organized, what's expected, 
that can be helpful. Another thing that can be helpful is how you can use it to input information on it and then have it regurgitate the information to you in basic, simple terms. You can say, take this paragraph and rewrite it in a way where a three-year-old would understand it or an eight-year-old would understand it or a 12-year-old will understand it. And that's great because you can have different levels of complexity of sharing information depending on whether you're sharing um, knowledge uh, to different audiences. Is it a discipline-specific audience? Then the level of complexity will be higher. Is it a more general audience? Or even is it you sharing information to your parents or your neighbors and you'll want it to be more basic for them? And then the last thing I want to say as a pro, and again, this is based off my limited um, understanding of it. I have been using it for a little bit over a month. Um, and just from the ways that I have accessed and used it, there might be other pros, there might be other cons that I don't yet know, I'm not yet aware of. But the last pro is that it's great for organizing and restructuring pre-existing information. I haven't done this yet, but I've heard that it can be great for double checking your writing for um, grammatical errors, syntactical errors. And that's a great, you know, uh, it can be used like another spell check tool. And just like a lot of folks use things like Grammarly or other apps to help them spell check, things like that, you could use this AI tool for that as well. All right, so now let me share with you a couple of examples of how I've used it in my day-to-day -day life. So as you know, I'm an academic coach and um, I'm also working on a book project and I'm also um, a podcaster and I write blogs and I write email newsletters and I do content creation. So I share useful, valuable information on my social media, on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn and TikTok. Um, but I'm most active on Instagram. And so I'm constantly working and generating information and writing and putting things out there that I find would be helpful to my audience, first-gen BIPOC students. And my areas of expertise are demystifying higher ed and teaching about sustainable productivity and personal development tools. So those that's if you're new to my podcast, that's what I'm all about. That's what you can expect from me. And so in my business, one thing that I've found useful with this uh, chat GPT uh, tool is that I can use it for generating ideas. So generating ideas for content creation, for topics to cover on my podcast. Um, and I'll ask it prompts, you know, I'll say you are blah, 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 blah. And you're working on a podcast episode and blah, 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 blah. What are 10 different ideas of topics you can cover? And then from there, I can see, do I like it? Do I not like the ideas? Which one can I then go off of? And it just helps me to be even more creative with generating ideas. In your case, as a student, you could generate ideas for papers. Um, you can generate ideas for let's say you're writing a paper and you want to kind of figure out what would the counter argument look like? What are some of the gaps in my thinking? And then you can use the ideas of the gaps of the counter arguments or anything else um, and incorporate a response to that. 
Um, another way I've used it is in generating summaries of podcast transcripts. And so I already use another AI tool for my podcast. I use Otter AI for my generating my podcast transcripts, but I don't just let it do it on its own. That's the thing about these tools. You cannot rely on it to do all of your work for you. And so for instance, Otter AI, uh, my VA and I, we use it um, to generate transcripts of all of my audio recordings. But then the next step is that my VA or myself I will go in and we'll edit the transcripts because it'll look like a bunch of big paragraphs and a lot of things are misspelled. And if there's any Spanglish or Spanish, it won't pick that up um, at all. Some names it won't pick up either. Um, and so we have to do the extra editing step uh, no matter what. So we can't rely on it solely for generating the transcripts. And so in this case, Pulling from the transcripts that we've already edited, I can then input that information to uh, ChatGPT to generate summaries of these transcripts. And then from those summaries, usually I ask for it to give me some a couple of bullets of summaries. I'll, um, I'll think about which I'm going to keep because I can tell what were the main ideas from what I remember. What are the main ideas from this episode I recorded or this guest that I had? And um, and it's it's great because it gives me uh, ideas and language as a starting point, which I then can pull and write my own information off of that. Um, in your case, you could use this for summaries of articles, um, for generating summaries of books you've already read. And here's the main thing. It should be for material that you are already familiar with for readings that you've already done it should not be for you to learn something from scratch I just I don't recommend it at all for that uh, I know actually some graduate students who use um, a website called I think it's Janae.io for generating summaries of academic articles I personally have not used it but I am familiar I know that it exists in case y'all want to check it out but again in, in every case I say rely on it to help you assist with you with information you already know all right the other way that i use it in my business is to assist me with generating discussion topics generating interview questions for my podcast uh, in your case you might be able to use it to generate ideas for teaching discussion sections or for in-class discussion questions I, I, the, the idea generation of it is a, a lot of fun. And again, it can induce a lot of creativity because you might it might generate ideas that you hadn't previously thought about. Now, in my day-to-day -day life, as you know, or some of you know, I um, have been living abroad for over a year now. I'm in Portugal. The language here is European Portuguese. E não falo português muito bem. Falo um pouco português. I'm... I'm trying to learn. I don't speak it very well. Uh, it sounds like Portuglish or, or I don't even know. Uh, I, <laughs> it's like it's a mix of Portuguese and English and Spanish. And so one thing that I, I rely on in my day-to-day -day life are translation apps to help me with speaking and navigating my day-to-day -day life. I 
I actually have a pretty good understanding of um, the language when I read it. And so-so when it's spoken, it depends on how fast someone is and how they enunciate certain words. Um, but because I can understand it very well when I read, I can use ChatGPT to translate things for me. So sometimes, you know, some memos I need to send via email and I'd send it in Portuguese. And so I have had it translate from English to Portuguese and then I can double check the work double check the translation because of my ability to understand the language once it's written. Um, so I've used it for that. I know other people who use it for um, for translating information as well. And if you're in a graduate program where translation work is involved, um, you could always use it for your translation as well. But again, like I do, double check the work for any inaccuracies. The other way that I have used the ChatGPT tool is through my home educating and homeschooling. I have homeschooled my nine-year-old before, um, and he's I'm not necessarily 100% homeschooling right now because he does go to a private school. But when we return back to the States later this year, we do plan on homeschooling again. And so I'm pulling some resources, information, creating a plan. Um, some subjects I uh, pull from curriculums that I know and trust. Um, like, for instance, one of the websites that I really love is called Fish Tank Learning. And it's great. Um, I, I have found their math and language art lessons to be um, pretty good. Um, I, I'm a fan. And um, so I have different places that I source for different curriculums, depending on the topics and subject areas. And of course, I supplement um, because there are certain areas like um, social studies, social justice that I want to make sure that we cover with my son, that maybe I, I'm not finding what I want to teach online. So I, I'm creating it on my own. So in this case, how am I using ChatGPT? I feel like I'm going on a, on a rant. Uh, or on a tangent, I have started to use it to generate different homeschooling schedules. I'm not really sure what kind of pace we are going to have when we start homeschooling again, because I want to make sure that it works well for our family and for my son and his learning needs. Um, and because my son is neurodivergent, I am a big fan of tailoring information, learning tools, to what works best for him. And so um, we've been exploring the ideas of like, what would you want to do? Would you wanna learn one um, subject area a day, two subjects a day, three subjects a day, four subjects a day? Do we wanna do three, you know, two hours, three hours, four hours a day and just test it out. And so based on these parameters, I've asked um, the chat box to generate uh, schedules for me. So. What would a two hour, three hour, four hour, five hour schedule look like? What would it look like if we're learning uh, two subjects a day, four subjects, you name it. I, I, you know, that's, it's, it's provided some really great um, sample schedules that we can then test out and see what we like. I've also used it to explain basic concepts. I help my son with homework every school night and some subjects he doesn't understand right away. And so if I've explained it to him in the way that I know and understand it, 
his teacher has taught it to him in a slightly different way that she knows and understands it and he's still not getting it. I love going in and finding some sort of resource that can explain it to him in a different way. And so the chat box can actually explain a wide variety of subject areas in basic terms. You can say, explain it to me in a way that a nine-year-old will understand. And again, it has to be something that I already know and I'm familiar with um, because then I can double check to make sure that it's actually sharing the right information. So in some, in all of my examples, I double check the information. I am not relying on it solely to do work for me. I am asking for assistance in generating ideas on topics I have previous knowledge about and ample knowledge about. And that's the key for me. It's a supplemental tool. It's not a primary tool. I'm not having it teach me something new where I can't double check for biases or inaccuracies. I'm not having it generate writing that I will pass off as my own because that would be completely unethical. Um, and so, you know, if, if I can say anything um, about how I am proceeding and how you might want to proceed, um, it's that I'm proceeding with curiosity and with caution. Like any tool, I'm always open and willing to learn about it and then see how it can be useful to me. But um, if it's not, I move on. And, it, you know, it's, I have to understand that there are risks and rewards involved in anything that we use. And again, if I know that this is the future of where we're going in terms of technology and education and access to information, then I want to be informed. That to me makes me feel like I am empowered to do something about it because I am aware of it. And so I do think it can be used as a useful learning tool. I actually don't think that it will ever replace classrooms. I don't think it will ever replace teaching professions. And again, test it out, see what you think, proceed with caution, but don't be afraid. Don't avoid it altogether um, because I think that we're moving in that direction in a lot of different ways. And I know some folks say like, get with the times. And in this case, I... I have to somewhat agree. Let's let's see how we feel, see how it goes, um, be aware, um, be cautious. Um, and that's all I have to say about the topic. I again I feel even wary of of having this conversation on my podcast because I know it's it's very um not sensitive, but it's a it's a contentious topic. And a lot of folks have very strong feelings about it. I don't have super duper strong feelings for or against it. Um, and so that's why I am using it, playing with it. But again, it's not going to replace me. <laughs> so that's all I have to say. I hope you all have a great rest of your day.
Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half-hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right, one free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school fam touring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtouring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at gradschoolfemtouring. Thanks again and until next time.